We as leadership have to assure that there is not a hostile environment as it relates to women and minorities in the businesses that we operate. That it's not a locker room, that it's not okay to when nobody's looking, listening, or or paying attention to say things that would very much be hostile. Diversity and inclusion. It's a hot topic for a number of reasons, and it's one our panel of automotive leaders will tackle on the Fix Stops Roundtable podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Gene Girdley, and I'm the producer of the Fix Stops Roundtable virtual events. On today's podcast, our host, Ted Ings, is joined by Sarah Van Tyne, who poses some important questions to our featured experts. Here's Ted. It's a great honor and privilege to uh, welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable a great friend of our conference. It's Sarah Van Tyne, who is the Fixed and Variable BDC Director at the Scott Clark Auto Group and also a recipient of the coveted Best Practice Award. I see we have several recipients of the Best Practice Award with us today. And Sarah, I'm going to let you do the honors to go ahead and to introduce this panel. Thank you so much, Ted. So I'm so excited today to have this diversity inclusion panel with some amazing people in the automotive industry. These are all leaders that have done excellent jobs in their respective organizations with championing this. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, having them share their advice with you today. Um, So first off, I've got Carrie Wise, Vice President of Communications at True Car. I've got Gerald Ramoyne, Market Area Vice President of Hendrick Automotive Group. Uh, Shauna Corselli, Director of Operation at CMA's Colonial Auto Center. Liza Borches, President and CEO of Carter Myers Automotive. And Adam Ahrens, owner of Patriot Auto Group. Mary, I, I would love you know your perspective on this is coming from a little bit outside of the dealership realm, but it's very important to the auto industry too, you know, the, the vendor side. So how can we develop a sense of belonging for women within that aspect of our industry? Yeah, well, I want to be clear that, you know, even on the vendor side, there's a lot of work to be done when it comes to gender equality. I mean, um, you know, we may be uh, maybe further ahead in some sense of, of culture at times, but like we don't have a lot of women at the top across most of the vendors in the automotive space. And um, I will tell you, Liza, when you brought up the golf uh, and the spa option, that has happened to me so many times to the point where, you know, I'm not a big golf player, but I I thought, God, I'm going to have to learn how to play golf, like to make it in my career, uh, because it's happened so many times. So, um, you know, this one's a hard one. And I I think uh, what the way I would answer in terms of belonging is uh, two two things, representation and allies. Um, And one representation, right? If you have representation, even one person in the organization that looks different than the majority and the norm, uh, you probably have an advantage. I will tell you being the front person for TrueCar and being out there, um, I can't tell you how many black employees have come to me when they start with the company. They walk in my office, they close the door and they whisper as if someone's recording them that I took this job because I saw you on a video. Um, I took this job because I figured if they put a, a woman or a person of color to represent the company in a video, they can't be, it can't be a racist organization, right? Now, that may not be true, but the symbol of me was enough for them to influence them and to, and to think like, okay, if she can make it, maybe this company is for me. And so I think we have to be 
um, thoughtful that people pay attention. And when you have all white men on your website, or if you have all white men, when I walk up to your dealership or all white men in management or on your board, people pay attention to that. And it sends a symbol of like what your culture might be like. Um, and then the second part, which really has helped me is allies. Right? I, I would not you know, be here if it wasn't for mainly white men um, that have saw something in me that I didn't see in myself or have called on me in that meeting. You know, I can't, I, I, I think back to all those moments where I was intimidated to speak up because I was the only one. I didn't think my voice was as um, uh, you know, powerful as the others in the room. And that white guy says, Carrie, what do you think? And, and, and he's the boss. He's the guy in charge. And he in some ways passed his power on to me by spotlighting me or by enabling me to share my voice. And so I, th I think um, when it comes to women belonging, a lot of times is going to come from getting the endorsement or the sponsor of a really important ally in the organization. And we need more of that. We need to be thoughtful and intentional on that. Wow, that is such a great there's point. My, there's one of my yeah. allies raising his hand here, Adam. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, the only thing that, and I'm not speaking to the panel because the panel gets this. We as leadership have to assure that there is not a hostile environment as it relates to women and minorities in the businesses that we operate. That it's not a locker room. That it's not okay to when nobody's looking, listening, or, or paying attention to say things that would very much be hostile. Or she gets it she's one of us but we talk poorly about women in front of them or he gets it he he knows we're just kidding when we talk um when we make a racist statement or we make a religious statement or we call somebody based on what they're wearing something and again if you want to start at the infancy and where to bring this back into a service department or a dealership is doing a hostility check you know you have people in your organization that are, are whether they think they're being funny or not, that have bias and that bias won't go away unless they go away. And we've had to make that decision in our organization that that bias has to go away. Yeah. And, and Adam, you bring up a good point because there's that deliberate bias in terms of jokes. But what I have probably experienced more in my career are microaggressions. Mm -hmm. And they're not just from men, I'll tell you, yeah. um, in terms of you know, comments being made to you, being undermined, um, your voice not being heard, your ideas not being heard, you being underestimated, those kind of things. And those are the, to me, those are the more challenging ones because proving, proving it is hard. Um, and, and most people who are doing it don't even know they're doing it either. Right, it's the, that unconscious bias. So, those are challenges that make people want to leave. And I, I think you're, you hit it the nail on the head as far as it has to be a, an absolute zero tolerance policy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it becomes gray when Carrie said, "You can't always say, well, that comment was an hostile comment. Done. We're out of here." It's usually that that kind of passive aggressive or a microaggression where mm -hmm. you're like, I don't know, do I terminate that person for that? Did they really mean it that way? And we start questioning ourselves and usually they did. But it, it's it's a very tough area for a leader to make sure that we're identifying that behavior and, and having a zero tolerance policy. 
Um, to keep on that same thread, I, I really would love to point this question at Gerald and Adam specifically because, you know, we, we've talked about it's really important to have allies within our auto industry, uh, you know, with, with people that advocate for diversity and inclusion with our colleagues and really stand up as leaders to make sure that, you know, their companies really hold that as a high value and, and a critical value within the growth of, of their organizations. So, um, you know, Gerald, how would you advocate for diversity and inclusion with colleagues who don't understand its importance? Well, in, in my first response, I talk about hiring the right people, right? Open-minded people that get it, you know, and it's about customer experience. What we do, we don't build cars. It's not about the cars. A lot of times you'll have a, a woman that says, well, I don't know much about cars. So I said, well, do you know a lot about people? So, and I said, if you do know a lot about people and you treat people with respect, you'll be ultra successful because this is not about cars. Certainly we need to understand them, but more importantly, we need to understand the people. So we really talk about advocating that we have ambassador groups where we bring people from all departments into meetings once a month and we share ideas and best practices. And we may have even been doing that, Sarah, when you were here many, many, many years ago with the Henry Carter group. So we continue to do those things today. And the, it's amazing that the level of contributions that you get from people in different positions that you wouldn't consider impact positions, yet they are because we advocate them giving their ideas. And then when you put those ideas into action, then they get energized and they start feeling that, hey, I can make a difference. You know, my role is important. And, and whether it be a female or uh, a different a race or whatever it may be, and those people start really getting excited about it and they start making better contributions. And then the rest of the team starts embracing them differently, especially if you hired the right people to begin with. So we really talk about matching our client base with their, you know, and I know I think several people already said that, is that our client base is very diverse. Our team needs to be very diverse. And, you know, we've got female general managers. Uh, we have female um, different race general managers we have everything you can think of on our team and people are recognizing the contributions that we're making at every level and every person and now people don't even think about those things now it's we our culture the, the neat thing is that no one really i mean i'm sure there is some there's always there's bad people in every part of the world right but i think there's more good people when you create that environment and you start attracting those people into your team because the people that don't believe it, they start leaving, they fire themselves, right? They go do something else. So we've really been fortunate is that these ambassador teams that promote ideas and execution has really empowered that the, the lot person and the general manager are very connected, you know, and everybody in between. So that's really how we try to make that happen. And again, I, I stress that it's not about the cars more than it's about the people and about the customer experience. And that's that's what's been our catalyst for success with having a melting pot of all kind of people and better ideas. So Adam, same question. I mean, how how would you advocate for diversity and inclusion with colleagues who don't understand it? Put important? people in the same room, right? So I, I, I'm gonna point to a, a, a story of two people that I respect greatly. One, um, a religious, um, we'll call it evangelical Christian, and the other, a gay woman 
who wants to get married. And this goes back a few years ago. Um, they had different perspectives until they got together and dis and discussed things together um, in a room, not a debate, where this is how this would improve my life, not infringe upon your life. And I understand where you are religiously, but what I'm doing as a person of God, regardless, if God made us all, and, and that was the belief of most of us, including this evangelical, then I'm not a mistake. And I'm going to tell you that people who are different sometimes feel like they're a mistake. They wish they were something else until we can empower them to be whole in themselves by being a part of the team, have leadership opportunities, have advancement opportunities, have their voice heard, then, then you're never going to have them feel as well as you want to. So the idea of having lunches together, regardless of the hierarchy, and to discuss some of those things and be prepared to understand that you're going to deal with certain people's feelings. But once everybody's performing at their best level, then your company goes off the charts in success. If I could just add to something Adam said about, you know, he talked about two different people coming together um, so that they could, you know, build relation in some ways and understand each other's points of views or, or at least attempt to do that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges from a diversity standpoint is when I ask people who their closest friends are or who they spend the most time with, and I say, what race are they? And what gender are they? And what religion are they? And what, what, what is their sexuality? The majority of people just across the board surround themselves with themselves. Majority of people, if you ask that. And that is to me the biggest hump when it comes to diversity is getting over that hump of you're surrounding yourself with yourself political view wise, all of that. And therefore, when you're, when you're around people that are different, you're uncomfortable, you know, and you don't really realize that because you're rural. And so, so I think, you know, being very deliberate about um, interacting with people that are different than you trying to truly build relations is going to be a huge solve if we could all take that step. It, it, well, I think it, Carrie, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about the um, idea of this the structure of promotion that we tend to within recruiting and promote totally unconscious in many cases we typically promote and recruit people who we're comfortable with who are more like us and so when we talk about this this uh, new process or structure we have to have in place when we're looking to recruit and promote and really putting it almost on a spreadsheet by skill sets and taking names and race and age and genders off of there because there's this just unconscious desire in humans to surround yourself with people like you. So we've got to be so intentional in the recruiting and promoting to, to be able to break these barriers. There's one that's really, really important is, is to have people have fun together. You know, when people, people want to have fun, that's the universal language, right? When people have fun, they start not thinking about those things. You know, when people start enjoying each other and learning from each other, they get motivated by each other. And once that happens and have fun, then things are really challenged to not interfere, right? People are saying we're aligned with them now. So we really try to promote a lot of fun too. I think I think Gerald's right. And and I think that that again in the at the end of this, as we discuss with our, our, our team, and that includes everybody, there's a lesser than, greater than, and equal to. 
you'd be surprised how many people feel lesser than. They feel lesser than their boss. They feel lesser than somebody who has more college. They feel lesser than somebody who has more money. They feel lesser than somebody who had more given to them based on the place that they were born or the way that they looked or their height. When we can get rid of the lesser than and greater than and get us towards equal and have those real discussions in the, in the dealership as that's your mantra or in your company, our mantra is getting us to that equal sign. That's when you'll achieve what you want to. You know, before America became a country, everybody stayed to themselves. We're the melting pot and we are the greatest place in the world to live. So I'll leave it at that. Excited and y'all are on here. So I know we're, we're probably almost out of time, but if I can ask just one lightning round question to each of the panelists, um, and again, like maybe 30 second, 40 second answer tops. Um, but I'm just going to go around the screen how I see it. Um, what is the one piece of advice, lightning round question, what, what is the one piece of advice you'd give to dealers today on how they can include more diverse perspectives in their decision making? Um, I'll kick it to Carrie first. Um, I, I think understand the why. You know, you can't you can't do the actions unless you really buy into why it's important. And I think Gerald hit on it that a lot of it ties back to the business. When you're when your staff represents your customer base, you're going to have an advantage. And I will tell you that the world is becoming more female and the world is becoming more colorful. So if you're against diversity, you're going to be at a disadvantage relative to other dealerships out there. So focus on the why, which is your your customers to me. Uh, I think uh, I'll piggyback on what Carrie said a little bit in using data. And I think the data shows that, that companies, truly diverse companies, outperform non-diverse companies by 35%. And there's so much data and statistics that you can use out there to show your team. This, if you, if you just want to focus on performance, it's not about just getting gender and racial diversity. If you want to be the best company that we can be, this is a critical performance metric that we have to pay attention to. Um, so I think using not only um, the why, but tying that specific to data and then saying, how do you do it? I'm also going to uh, I'm going to bring back up something Carrie said. We have to ask specific people to share their voice because too often people are scared to speak up or think that their voice uh, doesn't matter or they can't have an impact. So we have to actually pull it out of them to have them have a voice in the conversation. If they're not speaking up, we've got to get diversity of age, race, gender and ideas. Adam, what piece of advice? Uh, go public with it. Spend uh, 60 to uh, 60 seconds to two minutes creating a video of what you want and be public about it so that you can then be intentional about it. And that is to declare to your people on your team as well as to the public what you think your organization should be like. And then that will make it much easier for you to recruit that. The, the, Real quick thing is, somebody said to me, I can't find female technicians. And I said, okay, how long are you going to be in the business? They said, forever. I said, well, then it's okay to plant seeds. Go out and recruit people who are in high school and tell them that there's an opportunity, if you're a female, to become a technician and make a good living um, and continually advance your career like the career path that you have in your dealership. Shauna. What piece of advice? Be intentional, hire diverse teams, 
and include input from everyone in your group when making decisions from entry level to your executive level, but take all of that input and make your decisions with everyone's input from those groups um, and also share their stories. Like Adam said, you know, make the videos, put the videos together, put those out there, not just for your branding, but for recruiting as well. And just make sure that you're sharing these stories and allowing these people to have a voice. Gerald, final thought. What is the one piece of advice? Well, everybody has some great ideas. And speaking of ideas, our ambassador meeting that I spoke of is make sure those ideas that are pollinating amongst the people, the different people, you have to put them into action. They have to see the success of those things. They have to see it getting traction. They have to see it making a difference. Then you celebrate those things, whether you put them on social media, saying, hey, this team member created this solution or this team member was recognized as a best idea of the month or whatever it may be. Those things are really, because they'll tell everybody to look at their social media posts, right? I'm on TV or wherever you want to go. I'm on computer, I guess is what it's called. So it really creates a lot of energy about ideas because they get traction. Everybody. Thank, thank you, you so much. Very impressive. What a, hey, Sarah, thank you so much for putting all this together. And uh, Gerald, welcome. This is your first Fix Ops Roundtable, but uh, I'm sure we'll see you back here among these um, these veterans of the roundtable. Thank you, Gerald. Thank you, Shona. Thank you so much, Adam, for being with us today. Harry Wise, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate everything you share with us. And of course, Liza, thank you so much for everything that you do for the Roundtable. We appreciate you and the Carter Myers organization. Sarah Van Tyne, thank you again. Great work. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings. If you'd like to be a guest on any of our Fixed Ops Roundtable events or for sponsorship information, Call area code 212-763-0016. That's 212-763-0016. 212-763-0016. For all of our guests and for Ted Ings, I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for listening.